0: Welcome back to Yahoo Finance's All Market Summit. I'm Kristen Myers. Let's go straight to our chat with Ann Walsh, Guggenheim's Chief Investment Officer for Fixed Income, and Rob Falzone, Vice Chairman at Prudential Financial. Uh, welcome to you both. Thank you both so much for joining us today in discussing what the future of work is going to look like, especially in a post pandemic world. So, Ann, I want to start with you. Now, most of us have been working from home now for Roughly half a year um, or even longer. Um, but we're continuously hearing this chatter about what it's going to look like when folks get back to the office. But for right now, I'm wondering uh, how long you think this work from home environment can be sustained?
1: Well, uh, thank you, uh, Kristen and Rob, uh, and to all of you listening. Um, so, you know, if you had asked me back in March, Whether here we would be nearly to November and we would still be in a work from home situation, dealing with another wave uh, of coronavirus, I might have been skeptical, uh, probably would have been skeptical. Um, But fast forward, here we are, and I actually don't see um, many uh, people returning to the office uh, in the way that we used to work uh, anytime very soon. In fact, I think we are looking at a 2021 uh, return timeline, uh, notwithstanding the fact that, you know, we're going to talk a bit about the benefits of working together, but also uh, the way work uh, is, I think, permanently changed uh, in terms of particularly office work. So I would say at this point in time um, that uh, we're looking definitely at another three or six, or I'm hearing even, uh, you know, well into next summer before uh, we will be returning to offices. Uh, in and uh, and I would suggest that the way we work in offices will be we're used to work. I say for virtually my entire career.
0: Now, Rob, I would love for you to weigh in here. I'm I'm wondering about profitability. I I mean, can companies be just as, or perhaps even more profitable than before without the office?
2: Well, you know, it's interesting. There are two dimensions to that. The first is how productive they are in a remote environment. And then the second is, you know, when we go back, what is that workplace going to look like, and uh, and you know what are the impacts of profitability on each of those? I think you know in the near term um, productivity is actually holding up pretty well. In fact, it's up according to the survey that we did. Um, it was in excess of around 60% of the people that answered the survey said they were as if not more productive remotely than they were in the workplace, and so that would indicate that the profitability would be enhanced and sustainable. I, I do think. To the point Anne was making, I'm not, I'm not 100% convinced that that's sustainable in the longer term. I think there's been some technology innovation, um, which has uh, contributed significantly to that uh, productivity. Um, but some of it's coming because people are working longer hours, and they, you know, uh, 65ish percent of them haven't taken the same vacation they took last year. Um, those that are in our survey, they're saving an hour of commute and and. And 60% of that they're putting back into work as opposed to you know, harvesting that as free time. And so there's a stress there that I'm not sure how sustainable that'll be in longer term. And then what we're also seeing is you know, the beginnings of some fraying around learning and development uh, and, and, and what that can mean in terms of long term uh, you know, sustained productivity. So that pisses a, a little bit of a question mark. Near term, clearly, longer term, we'll have to see what will be sustained. Going back, you know post the pandemic, when we go back to the workplace, it will look very different. And I suspect that most companies are going to adopt different models post the pandemic than they did pre. We're clearly uh, looking at that hard. Um, and I think coming out of that there'll be uh, rewards for employees and rewards for employers as well. Employees I think will have long term as a result of this experience flexibility. Uh, and how they work and where they work, Uh, and that will lead employers to be able to be more rational about how they invest in real estate assets. And frankly, the other part about that is I I, I think that it opens up the, um, uh, the, the funnel of talent that you can attract into an organization to the extent you have more flexible work arrangements.
0: So, Rob, you mentioned a couple of things that I definitely am going to want to pick up on during this conversation. Um, but piggybacking on what you were just mentioning about that survey, I'm, I'm wondering from you and then, Anne, I would love for you to weigh in. What do you think has changed now that we are in this you know, remote work from home environment? What do you think has changed in terms of priorities uh, for employees, but also for their managers and, and for the employers themselves?
2: Well, you know, first I think you have to separate the pandemic experience from the remote experience. Pandemic experience hasn't been very good, uh, and it's caused a whole host of reprioritizations as a result of the burdens that are on families, whether it be you know child care or elder care or the daycare schools. You know, um, the infrastructure that's available uh, in our daily lives, uh, not to mention the, um, the sort of societal. Um, uh, isolation that we're all feeling, and so there's been a reprioritization of how individuals have to spend their day in order to adjust to the pandemic and its impact on their infrastructure. Uh, and uh, and I think companies, if they want to be successful long-term, we're going to have to be flexible with regard to that. So remote, in in my mind, has two dimensions to it. You know, one is location, and the other is time. Uh, and we need to figure out how employees can. Get stress out of their lives by and, and get the right priorities with regard to the balance between work and, and, uh, and personal by, uh, by having some flexibility on the, uh, on, on, on the work front. Um, the, uh, I, I guess the, the, the other thing I, I think about is from a prioritization standpoint is that as we, as we look mm-hmm. at uh, what we've been able to accomplish with employees working remotely, Uh, I think it puts a whole new priority on sustaining the level of gains that we've gotten from the investments in technology and how that has accelerated significantly through this remote experience. And that's been the positive part of remote separate and apart from the pandemic part of it.
0: And I would love for you to pick up on that point that Rob was just making there about how this pandemic has really just accelerated some of these trends uh, that he had already been seeing in the workplace. Certainly,
1: you know, there's there's a few things. Um, I think before the mass amount of work from home, there was a great deal of skepticism as to whether uh, working from home was even an option. Quite clearly, society has now learned that that this is a a demonstrable success. uh, and, uh, And this will give working people so much more flexibility going forward and I think it also gives employers confidence uh, that, uh, that that the traditional, and I'm going to put in air quotes, industrial model of work that we have all been used to, and dare I've been in it for you know decades, um, you know that it, it that that it is ready to be adjusted, uh, and that work from home is one aspect of that flexibility, um, you know. Uh, Industrial economists and scientists have been thinking about for years whether or not shorter work weeks worked. Um, obviously work from home is now a whole new uh, element, but other aspects of how work can actually change and be adaptive uh, and, uh, and for people to be much more productive. Interestingly enough, and, and I'll actually uh, uh, turn to the, the survey that was uh, done by Prudential. That, in terms of autonomy, uh, individuals have more autonomy. And when individuals have more control over facets of their environment, whether that's their family environment, their work environment, or so forth, they tend to get a lot more enjoyment out of work. Uh, And I think that's been probably one of the reasons that individuals really have uh, uh, benefited from uh, the work from home. Additionally, Uh, Dr. Danny Kahneman did a study some years ago about the least um, uh, favorable aspect of, uh, you know, your working person's life, and the number one uh, item was commuting, Uh, and that, you know, the fact that people don't have to make long commutes. Uh, Again, the survey uh, that Prudential performed uh, indicates that they're using that for work, But frankly, even if they're using that for some other purpose, uh, spending time with their family, um, catching up a little bit extra rest or what have you, or or enjoying health, uh, for example, taking a walk or or, or something of this nature to help with physical and or mental uh, health um, is a better use of time than the painful commute that so many people had to go through. So uh, I think we've We've shown ourselves as a as a work society that work can be uh, changed, and the style of work can be changed in such a way that that uh, that, that we can get a lot more productivity uh, without that constant what I call that industrial model of FaceTime and sitting next to your manager uh, and, and so forth. So I think it, the the work world is is ready for a change, and again, harnessing the technology that's quite clearly been. Um, uh, a huge benefit here in order to uh, make work uh, change uh, as we've gone through this
0: year. So then, Anne, how does retaining talent change going forward? Is it all about, you know, you're talking about things like reducing commute time. Is it all about being remote? Is that what employees, what workers want? I mean, how how exactly do companies going forward make sure they they recruit and, and also retain that top talent?
1: So, you know, great question. Um, You know, there's several aspects to retaining top talent, you know, and attracting top talent. One is, uh, is corporate culture, um, the opportunity set, Uh, again, I'll go back to uh, an individual's ability to uh, gain uh, 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 satisfaction uh, and, and enjoyment from work. And uh, workplace flexibility as we've just been discussing is one element of that. uh, And I think that will go a long way to retaining individuals. You know, we haven't necessarily talked about gender but certainly women uh, for decades have been seeking ways to balance the the burdens of family uh, as well as work. And again, this is not just women of course. Uh, but, uh, but historically uh, that's been a very significant issue uh, for women in the workplace. Um, you know, women have been maybe more disproportionately negatively impacted during the coronavirus uh, because of some of these burdens, but my, uh, my hope is is that on the backside of coronavirus uh, that, that women will enjoy the benefits of this new flexibility in work. Um, And quite clearly, uh, I come from the investment management industry, and we need to uh, attract women to the industry and retain them. Only about 9% of all portfolio managers are women, uh, and somewhere along the line, uh, you know, some aspects, whether it's, again, providing more satisfaction at work or opportunity or flexibility, are going to be strong ways for companies to retain, uh, you know, attract and retain top talent
0: you know, Rob, Anne is bringing up a really great point here uh, about diversity. She's talking a lot about gender. Of course, race is also a part of that. So I want to ask you about something that we talk a lot uh, when we talk about the public sector. A lot of folks have said, listen, this pandemic exposed a lot of inequities. um, And many are saying that this is the time that the public sector can really go forth and tackle some of those systemic issues. But on the private sector side, Rob, I am wondering if you think this is a time for for companies, you know, like Amazon, for example, you know, to go out there and, and flex their power to change the systems that are going to be impacting their employees going forward. And and those systems that actually might be felt a little bit more acutely now that we are all at home.
2: Yeah, so a couple thoughts on this. Great question, Kristen. Um, first, you know, in following up on Anne's, uh, response. Yeah, so in our survey, it actually indicated uh, number one, desire by employees flexibility, number two, remote, number three, learning and development. And, and, and uh, in all three, if you think about all three of those elements and the learnings that we've had through the pandemic, we can enhance all of it. Uh, and and for the things that's actually, I think, suffering during the pandemic is the learning and development component of it because it's harder for people to learn on the job when they're remote. They've said that in the survey. Um, all of that does translate into the opportunity to optimize how you're bringing talent into the organization. And, and clearly what you want to do as an organization, what we need to do as a private sector is you, you, you want to take full advantage of the talent pool that's out there, uh, and that includes the diversity in that talent pool. If you're not doing so, it leaves gaps within your organization, uh, and it leaves gaps, frankly, within our total sort of economic output as a society. And so, you know, we need to address this. We absolutely need to. Each each individual company uh, needs to do so if they if they want to have sustainable business models. The complexion of our society is changing, and we're trying. And, and every company, in one way or another, is addressing themselves to that marketplace and that changing complexion in that marketplace. Uh, and if you don't have the diversity within your organization, and you don't have top talent in that diversity in your organization, you're not going to be able to anticipate how the world is shifting and how the marketplace is shifting and be able and, and be able to therefore address your organizational or your business strategy or marketing design around the opportunities that are out there. So I, I actually think that what we're learning through the pandemic to uh, a point that Ann made earlier is you know we've learned to work remotely. You know, in, in our own organization, our model was if you wanted to work remotely, you had to prove to your manager why it was OK for you to do so. We in turn t- intend to turn that telescope around. Uh, managers will have to prove why employees have to be on site as opposed to the reverse of that, provide that flexibility. And if we can provide that kind of flexibility, I think our, we can then, from a geographic standpoint, as well as from a, a socioeconomic uh, standpoint, we can reach deeper into the marketplace to bring talent into the organization because we can accommodate the individual needs of that talent in coming to work for us, whether that be you know, scheduling flexibility or it be location remote.
0: So, Anne, picking up here on this conversation that that you essentially kicked off, and Rob has been now commenting on, uh, in this new world where you know we're not meeting face to face, we're increasingly using tech. Uh, wondering. Uh, you know, what the impact could be and how that tech could be used to tackle those problems of diversity around race, around gender, um, create perhaps race-blind, gender-blind hiring practices or or accountability in the office. I mean, what are the next steps, do you think, that companies are going to be taking to really um, tackle some of those problems within their own workforce? So,
1: I mean, this is a multi-layered Um, uh, experience for so many uh, in management now to try and advance uh, corporate cultures uh, and to provide uh, these uh, opportunities for uh, our very diverse workplace. Um, You know, collaboration uh, and training are very important aspects to attracting and retaining diverse candidates. and I really do believe that if we uh, uh, together uh, come together and uh, apply uh, this, what, what I would refer to more as a team-based approach uh, to um, uh, to training uh, to work uh, uh, generally, this is positive. Um, you know, evidence and it's strong evidence suggests that team-based and particularly diverse team-based approaches to um, work uh, have much better outcomes. There's strong evidence to suggest this in the investment management business. And and certainly anything that we can do to to move forward uh, to create these diverse teams is extremely important um, and will only benefit companies. But I go back to a few elements. One is training and I'm gonna again cite the Prudential um, survey in that, uh, you know, training and educational opportunities for our team members is very hard to um, uh, initiate in this particular coronavirus time. This is where technology can help us a lot. And, um, and, it, and it, the learning opportunities should be um, multi-sensory, uh, uh, using the best of technology. Uh, and we should be able to uh, allow and encourage our team members to have more interaction using technology, of course, but it, it's a substitute for uh, in-person training and in-person learning. And, and part of learning is corporate culture. It's, um, it's obviously skills, uh, but it's, again, it's a multi-dimensional aspect and it's probably harder for our younger team members and our, our more junior members because they haven't had years of on-the-job training uh, that give them the ability to advance and, uh, uh, and continue to work uh, in, in a fashion during this lockdown period uh, that would be the same as someone who's had you know, decades of experience within a traditional work environment. So we need to adapt um, for younger people Uh, to uh, bring the training that they need, uh, but also for diverse candidates uh, and team members who uh, are also not maybe as experienced sitting in the industrial work environment, uh, you know, after years and years and years. So there's a lot we can do, but we have to harness technology uh, to advance that ball.
0: Now, Rob, I know we're running out of time, and I wish we had so much more time to chat with you both about this. But Rob, I wanted to to kind of end on this question. We've been talking a lot about tech um, and, and how it's bringing us together during this time when we can't be together, and how it can be used to address issues like diversity going forward. Wondering how you think that companies can maintain humanity, so to speak, in this world that is increasingly, and of course now as a matter of necessity,
2: Tech-driven. Yeah, that's a very interesting question because actually, I, I, I think the longer we remain in this sort of fully remote environment, um, there's actually some decay in what I call culture. You can call that humanity. Um, you know, every organization has a culture, and and uh, it's an expression of the humanity in that in that, in that organization. Uh, and I and I do think that uh, on the edges, it's a difficult thing to maintain. Actually, in the short run culture has improved uh, and and, and the sense of humanity actually, in in a sense, has improved too. While we have an extraordinary amount of divisiveness in society today, uh, what you have seen in the private sector from a company standpoint is um, um, very high ratings from employees to their employers and how they're stepping up both to the virus, the pandemic, and what they're doing for their employees and what they're doing in their communities as well and how they're responding to the things that we're seeing uh, in our society. Uh, and, uh, and, and so, actually, ironically, in the short term, I actually think the humanitarian and culture aspects have been enhanced. And, and the survey actually shows that when, when, when we've asked, you know, I think it was close the three quarters of the employees rated their, their employers an A or a B uh, in terms of how they're conducting themselves during this period. And it reflects both that community engagement as well as how they're engaging with their employees. Um, the, the challenge, again, becomes with sustainability. You know, the novelty of stepping up and the types of initiatives that you announce um, the, the, the flexibility that you're providing to your employees, um, the additional assistance that you're providing to your communities and to your employees, those are things that almost become expected in BAU over time. And therefore, um, the appreciation of that begins to wear off and the ability frankly, to make a difference in, in, uh, in, in culture wear off. So I, I do think over time, um, we need to get to a new normal. That new normal won't be everyone back at the workplace, but there isn't, we're, we're human beings, uh, we have a human condition. That human condition requires it some some level of interaction uh, in order for us to get that that human aspect that we all crave and that's the you know the pandemic part of the remote experience that's I think most difficult for many people.
0: All right. Well, we will unfortunately have to leave that there. This has been a fantastic conversation. Our thanks to both Ann Walsh, Guggenheim, Chief Investment Officer for Fixed Income, and Rob Thalzone, Vice Chairman at Prudential Financial. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Kristen. Thanks, Ann.